Okay, good. Welcome back. We saw, didn't we, before? The church is, one way of looking at the church, is the end of God's means. What God himself has been working towards. We saw the high esteem, the high value in which God holds his church. We said that just, just three of the many images the Bible gives us to, to think about church are Christ's body, God's household, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I said, one of the big things I want us to change our thinking in regards to is our identity. Whenever we think of ourselves to, to locate our identity in this big idea of church. The question we're coming on to now to address is the idea though of, of what is church? Or to put it differently, to put it how it is on your, on your sheets, where is church? Okay? Uh, so just um, for a couple of minutes, turn to the people next to you and just discuss which, which of these do you think the Bible calls church? Okay, can we read that? The Church of England, Christchurch Mayfair, all the Christians in London, a mission organisation, e.g. Africa Inland Mission. Okay? Just, just in pairs or threes or whatever, turn to each other, discuss which, which of those has the right to be called church. Which of those is church? Make sense? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll look at what the Bible says the answer to that is uh, as this talk progresses. You may think, oh, come on, Matt, that's just, it's just semantics. Does it, does it really matter which one of those the Bible calls church? Well, I'll say, yeah, I, I really, I do think it does. I think it, I think it impacts on such questions uh, as should I give my money to Christians overseas if I don't give any of my money to Christchurch Mayfair. I think it impacts on things such as uh, do I have more responsibility for my friends, my brothers and sisters at Christchurch Mayfair than I do for my Christian friends who don't go to Christchurch Mayfair. I think it impacts on questions such as do I need to get written permission from Matt Fuller if I ever wanted to leave Christchurch Mayfair? Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying anything uh, totally outrageous in that regard, but it but it impinges on those kind of questions. Okay, so so it does matter. The first thing, the first bit of background, though, that we need to talk about when we're trying to answer this question where is church, is to actually think about what the, church, the word church means. And that's the first little sub-point on your, on your handout. The word church always implies a gathering. Okay? The word church always implies a gathering. The word church is a translation of the Greek word ecclesia. Okay, that's obviously where we get you know, words like ecclesiology from, that kind of thing. And now look, the word, the word ecclesia, just, just what it means in Greek, it, it always is talking about a gathering. So just in secular Greek, the word ecclesia means a gathering. Uh, and sometimes even in, even in the New Testament, it's just used to describe a gathering of people, nothing, nothing religious or spiritual about it. Um, so in Acts 19.32, it's used to denote the gathering um, are they just Ephesian city folk, just a town meeting? Ecclesia always implies the idea of a gathering. 
when, uh, 200 years before Jesus was born, some people got together to translate the Hebrew scriptures from Hebrew into Greek, they used the word ecclesia when they were talking about the gathering of God's people around Mount Sinai. They said ecclesia always talks about the gathering. Um, it's used, ecclesia is used 144 times in the New Testament. And when, and when it's talking about Christians, it's always, always talking about Christians who are gathered. Okay? So the word church always carries with it the idea of being gathered. Um, so, one writer on the subject, Chris Green, the guy who wrote uh, the Green Book on church at the back there, he said, he said, to use the singular word church for something that never met or gathered would stretch the word impossibly. Okay, so the very word church implies a gathering. And that's important when we answer, ask the question, where is the church? So that's what we're doing. Ask the Bible, where is the church? And the first answer that the Bible gives back to you is that, is that first main point on your handout. Where is the church? The church is the gathering in the heavenly places. Well, the church is gathered in the heavenly places. So turn with me, would you, um, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. Talking to the Hebrew Christians. You have come not to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That's talking about the gathering around Mount Sinai. And he says to Christians, verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church gathering of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now you'll know from our Sunday evening services that the issue in the book of Hebrews is that the Hebrew Christians are kind of tempted to drift back into Judaism. Because if they do that, they'll keep their heads below the parapet and they'll avoid all the persecution and discomfort that comes from standing up and saying, I'm a Christian. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing, really, for, for most of the book, is doing a kind of compare and contrast between the old Mosaic covenant and the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And in the passage we've just re- read, the, the contrast he's making is between the gatherings under the two covenants. The gathering around Mount Sinai and, and the heavenly gathering, the church of the first <coughs> And he doesn't play down how awesome that gathering around Mount Sinai was. Did you see the language he used? He says, burning fire, darkness, gloom, storm, a trumpet blast. To such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. He's not denying how awesome that gathering around Mount Sinai was. But he's saying, but 
you Christians have come to something of a different order of magnitude. He says, you have come actually to something even more real. You can't see it with your eyes now, but it is even more real. You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. And he's saying to the Hebrew Christians what he's saying to us. This is the gathering you have come to, and it's even more wonderful than the gathering around Mount Sinai. And he's saying, he's not saying so much that you are coming to this gathering, he is saying you have come already, real, spiritually, but really, to this gathering that already exists. The verb um, where it says you have come in the Greek is, is sort of a verb that is emphatically in the past tense. It's a verb that says this happened in the past and it has absolute relevance for the present. You have come to this heavenly gathering. Amazing as it is, wonderful it is, as it is, mysterious as it is, those Hebrew Christians are already part of this cosmic gathering in the heavenly places. And every one of us in this room, the same is true for us if we're trusting in Christ in some mysterious way, we are already part of that gathering in the heavenly places, that church of the firstborn. We're already, in some sense, gathered round Mount Zion. Every single one of us is already, in some sense, there, along with every Christian who has ever lived. <coughs> this exists now. Which is amazing. It's amazing. That, that is that's part of what it means to be God's people. We're already gathered, in some sense, in the heavenly places. And so one Australian theologian said this. He's a guy called um, Rorton Knox, and we'll hear from him a couple of times this morning. He said, I think this is, this is on your sheet. He said, it is not future anticipation of which the writer of Hebrews is speaking, but present reality. We are already citizens of the heavenly family. We are already in Christ, already in heaven, though still on earth, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Through Christ, we have come into the Father's presence and are members of his household. We are already in heaven. This is our present situation, not merely a future hope. We are already at present citizens of a heavenly city, a heavenly household, a heavenly church. You know, that's Back up up in scripture, like Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour. Or Colossians 3.1-4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you ask the question of the Bible, where is the church now? And the first answer comes back is the church is already gathered in the heavenly places. It already exists. We, along with every other Christian, is already part of that gathering. Fantastic. And the application, I think, of that is that, uh, as I put there, sort of, Community 
is the ultimate reality, if you like. The community is what, what we've got to get used to being part of. Um, that, that theologian again, Broughton Knox, he said, he said this, heaven is people. And sometimes we go, really? <laughs> I wish heaven was endless me time. <laughs> endless time on the sofa watching DVD box set. And he said, no, you better get used to it. The ultimate reality is, uh, is community, is people. Heaven is people. And we've got to take that seriously. Uh, and yes, of course, obviously that will only... The, the true community of God's people will only finally be revealed in all its glory at the end of time, the pictures in Revelation. But we are part of that now, and we are more than that gathered now in the heavenly places. And I, I think in our better times, we, we, we love the idea that heaven is people, don't we? In our better moments. Sometimes you hear it when people come back off you know, a Christian uh, summer camp, you know, at Cypher or Glod or Ewan or whatever. Sometimes you hear people say, it was great. It was like, you know, like a little taste of heaven. Like a little taste of heaven on earth. That is what we've got to look forward to. And that gathering already exists. Okay, so you ask scripture, where is, where is the church? And the first answer that comes back is the church is already gathered in the heavenly places. But the question we want to look, tend to look at now is, okay, well that's talking about the gathering in the heavenly places. You might want to ask, well, where on earth is church? Where is, where is the church on earth? And the answer that scripture gives is that the church on earth is, is not a denomination, it's not a building, but it is the gathering of the local church. Okay, and that's, that's the second big point we're looking at. The gathering in the heavenly places is made manifest in the gathering of the local church. Okay, the gathering in the heavenly places is made manifest in the gathering of the local church. I just want to be very clear about how I'm using terminology there, okay? What, 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 I, say, what I mean when I say local church. I'm using local church as opposed to, as I say, the denomination or the building or, or a parachurch organisation, whether that's UCCF, whether that's African Inland Mission, Crosslinks, wonderful and valuable and in some sense essential as those are. Um, using local church to describe the sort of visible gathering of God's people regularly at a specific time and location. Okay, that's what I mean by local church. Now obviously, you know, within that there's different types of local church. You know, a church, sort of a parish church where everyone lives within five minutes sort of somehow feels a bit different to Christchurch Mayfair where many of us live mile, miles away from each other. But I'm, I'm saying both of those are local church in the sense that they're not the denomination, the building, the parachurch organisation. Okay? So local church, the, 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 the visible gathering of God's people at a specific time and place regularly. Okay, so the gathering in the heavenly places is made manifest in the gathering of the local church. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, we, we said ecclesia, church, always implies a gathering. So it makes sense to call the heavenly thing a gathering because it's gathered already. And it makes sense to call the local church the thing that gathers church because, because it is gathered. And crucial to this is to realise that actually in, in the New Testament, say Paul, whenever, whenever Paul uses the word church, he always uses it 
of a group of Christians who actually physically do gather. Or to put it another way, he never uses it to talk about Christians in an area who don't ever gather. So, for example, we'll look at it up in a minute, but when when Paul's writing to a wide geographical area, say the the Galatian, uh, the area of Galatia, which, which was a big area, he doesn't write to the, to the church of Galatia because it was a massive area. All the Christians in Galatia didn't, didn't ever gather regularly together. So it wouldn't have made sense to write to the church of Galatia. Instead what he does is Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. So just, just flip up Galatians 1 with me. Galatians 1, verses 1 to 2. Anyone happy? Galatians 1, verses 1 to 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, to the, the, the numerous, sort of visible, discrete gatherings of God's people in geographical areas. He doesn't write to the the church in Galatia generally because the church in all of Galatia didn't ever gather regularly together. Uh, Similarly, flick on to 1 Corinthians 16.19. Flick back, I should say. 1 Corinthians 16.19. So he says, says, the church is in the province of Asia. Send you greetings. In Asia, obviously, Asia is a massive place. Not all the Christians in Asia gather together regularly in a visible location. So it would make no sense to write to the church in Asia or talk about the church in Asia. Instead he talks about the churches in Asia. Does that make sense? Good. Paul, uh, so, sorry, for, so for example, I think it would be wrong to talk about <coughs> the, the church in London because obviously not all the Christians in London get together regularly and gather together. Church, the word church always implies a gathering. Okay, so you, you should talk about the churches in London. To talk about the church in London is, is to misapply the term church. See, the Bible uh, does talk about the church singular, uh, and it only does that when it's talking about um, a city, if the city is small enough such that all the Christians in that city could and did gather together regularly. So have a look um, in Acts 5, 11 to 12. Here we go. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet, gather together in Solomon's colonnade. So it makes sense to talk about the church there in Jerusalem because they did all gather together regularly. Um, similarly, 1 Thessalonians 1, let's look at that. 1 Thessalonians 1. Thessalonica wasn't, wasn't an area, it, it was a city. So presumably all the Christians could, could gather together regularly. It says, Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church singular. And then one last re- reference, Colossians 4.15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Clearly, small enough to gather together regularly. 
So, when we're talking about where is the church on earth, it is only the gathering of the local church, that, that visible gathering regularly of Christians in a, in a geographical location, only that, that has that high honour of being called a church. Only, only the gathering of the local church is the thing that, that reflects that cosmic gathering in the heavenly places. Okay? And what, what dignity that gives to the local church. What a, what a focus that puts on it. Let's have a look at that next quote. Uh, it's my mistake. It should, uh, it should begin with a small I. In context, is this fellowship in the heavenly places and the quote starts, if it is to be expressed between ourselves while we still remain in the body in this physical world must involve meeting. Being in the heavenly church, that is to say, being in fellowship with God and one another through the gospel, involves being in fellowship with one another in a physical, visible assembly or meeting. Now the heavenly and the earthly are not two fellowships or two gatherings, one unseen, the other local and visible, but they are the same fellowship, both heavenly in God's presence and at the same time local and physical because we live in a physical environment. The, the gathering in the heavenly places is made manifest on earth in the gathering of the local church. The fact that we are Christ's body is made manifest in the gathering of the local church. The fact that we are God's household made manifest in the gathering of the local church. The temple of the Holy Spirit made manifest in the gathering of the local church. Not the denomination, not the building, not all the Christians in the world or in a particular city, but in the local church. So you ask, you ask the Bible, where is the church? Only two things, as far as I can see, are called church in the New Testament. The gathering in the heavenly places and the, and the sort of manifestation of that in the local church. What I'm supposed to say, what, what, what high esteem does that put the local church in? We're going to look at four implications of that quickly now. First one uh, on your sheet. When we gather as Christ Church Mayfair, it's not just because of pragmatic necessity, it reflects the cosmic gathering in heaven. Okay? We don't gather just for pragmatic necessity, but because it, it, it reflects something that is absolutely true about us. Now I have to say, I, I think, praise God, Christians from our sort of tradition are, are really good and we're really switched on to the pragmatic necessity of gathering as church. We, we know we need it. We know we need each other. That's great. You know, and, uh, and, and Matt's reminded us of that many times over the last few weeks, hasn't he, in the sermons from, from Hebrews. Today, as long as it is today, don't harden your heart. You know, watch out for each other. Encourage one another as long as it is today. Don't give up meeting together. Absolutely essential that we meet together. We, we, we do need each other. We need each other, you know, one-to-ones and prayer triplets and, and deep friendships. I'll be talking more about that tomorrow. But I want, I want us to pause and soak this in. We don't gather just for pragmatic necessity or pragmatic benefit, wonderful and as important as that is. 
So he's not like the first Christians, you know, way back when, sort of wandered, wandered around and said, oh, do you know what would really help? If we got together from time to time uh, and kind of encouraged each other and listened to sermons and stuff. It wasn't just that. It was that the, the church, it's almost inevitable that it gathers because the local church is a manifestation of the church in the heavenly places, the cosmic church. Okay, so it's not, it's not just for pragmatic necessity. And there's that, that quote by Thompson on your sheet there. Local gatherings of Christians are not simply an accident of history, nor are they simply a pragmatic necessity, a means to some other end. No, a deeper reality, bound to God's eternal purpose and our identity as Christ's people, necessitates the manifestation of this heavenly reality, which is a reality now, not only in the future, in the physical dimensions of time and space. God gathers his people, not just in theory, not in some ideal, abstract sense, but really in the concrete particulars of time, space and culture. And what wonderful thing that is. That means when we're gathered together, we, we are sort of a visible manifestation or, or even demonstration of what God is doing big picture. We're a demonstration of what God is doing throughout all of time to gather a people to himself. We're, we're a demonstration of the fact that in some sense that gathering already exists in the heavenly places. And what a wonderful thing to look around and, and see each other as the end of God's means. To look around and see, yes, this is what God has done. A heavenly gathering already exists and it is manifested now in the local church. And obviously one day it will be manifested in all its glory when Christ returns. And we will be seen to everyone in the full display of being God's inheritance. Okay, so we gather not just for pragmatic necessity, but because we sort of manifest in the local gathering that big picture. But until that glorious day when Jesus returns, it's, it's got uh, implications as we move on now, about our identity. I think the second sort of implication is uh, my identity must be bound up with my membership of the local church. You see, I think it's important to state that the church I am part of is, is sort of simultaneously the cosmic big picture church and it, that its manifestation of that on earth. And that has got to affect my sense of my, my, my own identity. So I think we've got to go even further than, than we did with those um, uh, diagrams before. And I'll tell you how I think, I think the logic works. You can write it in, in those, under, on those dotted lines that I've got on your handout. So I think the first part of the logic goes, uh, as we talked about last time, my sense of identity needs to be bound up in the fact that I'm part of the cosmic church. That's the first thing. My sense of identity needs to be bound up in the fact that I'm part of the cosmic church. My sense of identity needs to be bound up in the fact that I am part of the cosmic church. Uh, and then the second thing, plus the fact that 
that cosmic church is manifested in the local church. Well, let's put let's be more precise. That cosmic church is manifested at Christ in Christ Church Mayfair. The cosmic church is manifested in Christ Church Mayfair. Equals my identity is bound up with my membership of Christ Church Mayfair. Okay, so that's why that's why that's why I think when you join the dots, that's that's where that's where you get to in terms of identity and, and the local church. And of course, there'll always be questions about okay, what? But how does that work if you're the only Christian in a Muslim village or you're the only person on a desert island? Okay, there'll always be kind of exceptions to the rule. But 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 big picture, I think that's what that scripture, the direction scripture would encourage us in. In general, I don't think it's too much to say that I shouldn't be able to think about my own sense of self-identity without thinking of the local church for us, Christ Church Mayfair of which we're a part. We're a part. Okay. So that's, that's the, the second uh, implication, and that obviously moves on to, if that's the case of my identity, then that obviously has got a lot to say in terms of my commitment to my local church. For us, our commitment to Christ Church Mayfair. I want to I sort of talk about very briefly um, three areas of commitment to which I think it, it definitely applies, and that's, that's relationships, money, uh, and loyalty. So, I mean, I, I, know, I mean, this, this is hard actually. I've, I've really been challenged by this as I've been preparing these talks. You know, as I, as I told you guys last night, you know, I've, I've moved churches a fair bit, I suppose. You, you do that when you're training to be a minister. You get placed in different churches. I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have many great friends who don't go to, to Christ Church Mayfair. And, and I'm not at all suggesting at all at all we should, we should, you know, Sort of drop our friends who don't go to Christchurch Mayfair. Obviously not. I'd never do that. I, I, I love them. I need them. I value them too much. But I think I think there is some sense in which if if we as Christchurch Mayfair are the manifestation of the body of Christ, then then there is some sense in which our relationships at Christchurch Mayfair need to take priority, or we need to give them due effort and attention to, to prioritise them, some sense in which that must be true. Yeah, and I've, I've really um, been, been, been challenged by that. You know, forget, forget the fact that okay, I'm an assistant minister, in some sense it's, it, it, it's my job, it's my role to, to care for you guys. I just mean, I just mean as, as your brother, <coughs> do, do I prioritise my relationships with you? Because you, you, you guys are my church. There's a sense in which, you know, I, I take my commitment, if I take what the Bible says about church seriously, uh, there's some things which I've got to prioritise. Relationships with you guys. You, I'm, I'm the body of Christ with you guys here. I'm the household of God here with you guys. Temple of the Holy Spirit here with you guys. That's the first thing. I think, um, how have I put it? Implication, it's got to, my commitment must be to my local church in terms of relationships. I think it must be in some sense with money as well. The Bible is unashamed to talk about how, how money sort of fosters partnership. And again, I've got, I've got loads of friends around the world, uh, basically. I could, e- I could easily give all of my giving to, to Christians who are not part of Christ Church Mayfair. But I think 
I was doing that and wasn't giving any money to Christchurch Mayfair, I might even say not giving a sort of significant amount of my giving to Christchurch Mayfair, may mean I haven't sort of fully embraced how my identity is wrapped up in being part of Christchurch Mayfair. And certainly, you know, if any of you guys are in you know, real financial need, I think you have to get first call on, on my money before other 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 Christians outside of Christchurch Mayfair. I'm not saying you shouldn't give, of course. You know, I give the Barnabas Fund, I think, I think it's really important. I think it's really good that we as a church give lots of money to um, you know Christians outside of Christchurch Mayfair. But there's a sense in which this has got to be the sort of first horizon we look at in terms of our giving if we take our identity seriously being bound up with Christchurch Mayfair. Um, and then finally, uh, loyalty. Loyalty. We're the body of Christ together. Of course, it should be painful to leave Christchurch Mayfair. It just must be. I'm certainly not sort of trying to point fingers or anything like that, but sometimes I think in our circles, we, we think about changing churches in the same way that we think about changing mobile phone providers. You know, I don't, I don't really care who my mobile phone provider is, as long as I'm kind of getting good reception and a decent deal. Like, I, don't, you know, I don't care who it's going to be. Right. And sometimes we can think that about moving churches. Well, you know, as long as the Bible's being taught, as long as I'm getting sort of, sort of benefit encouragement, it, it doesn't really matter. But I think if our sense of identity is tied up with being part of Christ's church Mayfair together, it should be a painful and a, and a big deal to leave Christ's church Mayfair. You know, I joke about whether you need to get Sharon to sign off on it if you or Matt to sign off on it if you want to leave. No, I don't think you need to do that. But it'd be strange if you didn't talk to Matt about it. You know, it'd be strange if you didn't talk to your KG leaders or slob leaders or whatever about it because it's, because it's, a, it's a big deal leaving that manifestation of the, of the cosmic gathering you know, leaving that manifestation of it or something else, it's a big deal and so it, so it might mean you know, it's not, none of this is prescriptive of course not, but it might mean that we, we sort of turn down that job promotion in another part of the country, it might mean so, no I'm not going on to the conference it might mean some of those things our identity is wrapped up in, in our, our membership of the local church. It's going to affect our commitment in terms of relationships, money, and loyalty. Good. Final implication. This is very brief. Uh, just a short point to finish. The, the language we use to talk about anything matters. Okay. Just, just in general, uh, the language you use expresses what we think, but it also kind of reinforces what we think as well. It kind of there's a feedback thing going on. So it, so it kind of matches the language we use about church because it can either mask the truth about it or it can make it clearer to us. So I just want to throw this out there. Uh, I think I think it does matter. Um, I was going to say, you probably notice when I stand up at the front when I'm leading, probably don't because our brains are all sort of worrying about the clock and all that kind of stuff and sitting down and not spinning our drinks and stuff. But <laughs> when I stand up leading at Christchurch Mayfair, I, I don't say, welcome to Christchurch Mayfair. Because okay, I think that's too easily misunderstood as welcome to a building. 
or welcome to an institution, or even sort of welcome to an event. Uh, I'll always say welcome to this gathering of Christchurch Mayfair. To try and just, just point out that the, that the church is the gathering of people. Okay? So I'll say welcome, welcome to this gathering of Christchurch Mayfair. Similarly, if I'm meeting one of you for one-to-one or coffee or something, I'll try not to say I'll, I'll meet you in church at I know, 9.45. So I'll meet you in the church building at 9.45. Just to keep reminding myself that the church is the people. It's not an institution, it's not a building that, that, um, of which I derive my identity. It is gathering you guys as people. I think the language that we do use matters. Church is always a gathering. Where is the church? We're already gathered in the heavenly places. And that heavenly gathering is made manifest in the gathering of Christ Church Mayfair. That means we don't just meet for pragmatic benefit. It has an impact on my identity. And that identity has an impact on my commitment. Not least in terms of relationships, money and my loyalty. Well, I wanted to say this session. Let me let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're 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 amazed by the the dignity and the high esteem in which you hold the local gatherings of your people. And simultaneously, as saying that, we're also convicted of probably most of us, more how lo- how low esteem we often hold it in. Please forgive us. Please foster in us a uh, sense of our own identity that 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 cannot even exist without reference to being part of Christ's church Mayfair together. Please change us. Please help us to, to have commitment to each other in terms of relationship and money and loyalty. To fully, as much as we're able, this side of glory to manifest what it means to be the Son's body, means to be your household and a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.